Welcome to the Third Shift Podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson. We are in an unnamed hotel room that does not advertise with us, so we won't advertise them as we, uh, as we sift through the wreckage that is Nebraska-Minnesota. Bruns? I got, uh, I got hotel points from this place. That's about the best thing that happened this weekend in the last 24 hours, I think. So um, a lot to unpack, maybe not. There, there's enough to unpack. I think we can, we can give you 20 good minutes on uh, whatever that was. So, yeah, what do you guys got? BC's still awake over here? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. just lounging a little bit, relaxing. Uh, what do we got? Well... Where do we start? Well, it's, there's no easy fixes. Um, I think what's disheartening to Husker fans, uh, it's not just that, you know, occasionally you have a bad day and you get you get whooped, but they've had these occasions where they go up against a team that comes into the game and is not really a great running football team. Like Minnesota ranks 71st running the ball coming into this game. They're averaging a little more over than four yards a carry. And in the first half, 9.6 per carry, 220 yards on 23 rushes. Reminded me a little bit of Iowa last Black Friday. That was not a great running football team, too. We always make a big deal like Iowa is so good in the trenches around here. They haven't been a good running football team the last few years. But when they play Nebraska... Uh, they make them look bad, and I, I just can't get my mind ar- around why Nebraska uh, is getting whooped like this up front um, to that degree. I understand, you know, that there's room to grow and all that, but it, it, it just is it's startling that it still happens like that. It's a... Uh uh, it was both sides of the ball, too. Um, you know, d- defensively for Nebraska, th- there didn't seem like Minnesota was doing anything that was, you know, out of sorts or unique. I mean, they, they basically ran zone um, and, and forced Nebraska to uh, fill the proper run uh, run fits or not over-pursue um, from the linebacker spot. Um, they occasionally hit the uh, some play action once they got the run game going, but there really wasn't uh, a whole lot of bells and whistles. I mean, Nebraska tackled poorly, didn't really come into that game with any kind of um, sense of urgency. I felt, um, you know, as much as the weather was made to be made out to be this big factor. I mean, it, it was basically just big boy Big Ten football, and Nebraska wasn't wasn't up to task. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Nebraska's offensive line. Uh, again, you know, wasn't able to establish any kind of running game. And, and with a backup quarterback starting, um, you, you lose Wandale Robinson. Um, it just it, it was tough sliding again offensively for Nebraska. And Scott Frost said afterwards, you know, that they got beat on both sides of the line. And, and that's something that, you know, I, I don't know how you fix that uh, coming out of the bye week. But, you know, Nebraska on both sides of the line just got – flat out whooped tonight by Minnesota. There's really no there's no sugarcoating that. There's no spin. They just they, they got beat. Yeah. Uh I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to what you just said there, but I guess the thing that I keep coming back to is 
what the hell did they do for six days preparing for a Minnesota team that did exactly what you thought they were going to do? They ran the ball. They forced you to think that they were going to run the ball. They hit a couple play actions. Nebraska bit incredibly hard on both play action plays. One went for a field flipping gain on the first play after halftime. The other should have been a touchdown, but the uh, the tight end dropped it. And then Minnesota didn't end up scoring. So you could argue that was Nebraska's most successful defensive play in the uh, third quarter because just about everything else went poorly. So I I don't really I don't understand sometimes with this team how when it goes bad, it just has to be an utter disaster. And that's essentially what it was today. And frankly, I mean, Minnesota could have rolled up another 21 points in that game, but they chose to slow it down. I mean, they they had a chance to basically go up three scores against Nebraska in the first half, but they were running clock. I mean, they they were trying to choke out the life of this game, almost as if they weren't entirely confident in their own defense, Uh, which, I mean, I think something we probably haven't discussed enough is that Nebraska's offense is wholly incapable of driving the field um, without getting in its own way. I mean, we saw every iteration of it today short of a turnover, uh, not for the lack of trying from Nebraska in that regard either. So uh, it's a just weird Weird time with Nebraska football at the moment. and I, I don't want to go too much with the offense when you don't have your starting quarterback and then you lose Wondell Robinson, but at the same time, they were able to move the ball. And then you'd have, whether it was a block in the back from kind of Inoa, whether it was inexplicable false starts in an environment that wasn't particularly loud or fearsome uh, today that would just set them back at first and 15 instead of or second and 15 or whatever it was. Um, I mean, it's just dumb stuff. Like, I, there's so much that doesn't make sense to me in year two. Like, your punt returner attempting to field a punt inside his own six-yard line. Why? This isn't the first time we've seen it happen. Why has this happened multiple times? What is the rationale for this? Why is Nebraska kicking off to the same spot of the field every single time and then surprised when a team knows where to run every single time. Like, I, why are they having all of these issues with their uh, with penalties? Like, it just there's certain things. I mean, we can talk about Nebraska not being physical enough, Nebraska not having enough talent in the trenches, Nebraska not wanting it enough. Some of this is just straight discipline, and they don't look like a well-coached team. They don't. That reflects on one guy, and. That's the kind of stuff that you could fix during the bye week, but they haven't fixed it in, what, 19 games? I don't know if I'm expecting it to be fixed at any point this season. They do a lot of dumb stuff. Well, I Scott Frost, I, I think he was pretty honest about his offense and kind of unpacking, like, what what makes it look like it's looking right now, and just to hear him say it out loud was kind of interesting since it's his baby. But uh, basically, they don't have enough skill position guys. So now you're making this offense try to sustain. It's a, it's not an offense built around like sustaining like 11 to 12 play drives. It's just like not how it, they've operated. That's not how they operated at UCF. 
because one, the conference talent was different and they had an advantage over their foes. But also, they, I mean, they did a good job, but you got to give them credit there about getting these different playmakers like Killens and all these different guys who are just speed weapons where they came at teams in waves. And I think there was this thought maybe in the offseason that Nebraska was starting to get there, like Wandale was going to join Spielman and Yed Maurice. And then there was a hope like, okay, one of those two Juco kids, either Mike Williams or Woodyard, is going to take off and have a good year. And Conavai knows that he has the resume. And so you thought when you looked at it on paper, yeah, okay, they do have like six or seven guys, right? That was the thinking. And it turns out there's not close to that. Well, there's, there's three guys, basically, that, and, and actually two right now because Maurice Washington's just kind of been a no-show um, the last three or four weeks. And so, and then he said it, Spielman was out last week, so you lose one of the two. And then Wandale's out this week, so you lose one of the two again. And then what are you? You're a team that's trying to grind it out, and they have no staple plays in their run game to be able to do that and function like that. And so it's, uh, it's not a good way to live um, right now. I, I do think his system can work in this league, but you do, you've got to hit all the right recruits, and they've got to develop um, – at a good level that you do have those type of weapons you can throw at people. Otherwise, you're going to ha keep having days like this because you are not built to uh, to be that 12-play, 13-play drive like some of these teams in the Big Ten. You know, this style of offense, you know, the, the types of defenses that can have success against a, a spread attack like what Nebraska runs and what Scott Frost has run at Oregon and UCF, typically if you have the ability to – get pressure and be disruptive up front with superior defensive line talent. I mean, you saw against Ohio State what that looks like. It, it, it doesn't you look pretty. You saw it tonight, too. But that's my point is that, you know, you saw it tonight not because Minnesota was significantly better up front. I just – Nebraska has that far to go up front. Like, I think that's – that to me I think is true is that, you know, when Minnesota is able to get home and get pressure with three guys – which they did, uh, and, and certainly with four, um, you know, it's tough to call anything. Uh, and, and it's tough to get what few playmakers you have involved. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, the Big Ten is still a league where you have to be good on the defensive line, on the offensive line. And, and Nebraska just is not there. I mean, they, they brought in Brock Bando for Trent Hickson a little bit tonight, I think, to try to give a little bit of a change up there didn't really improve um, you know it, it really is kind of you know gut check time for for Greg Austin that group and I, I think you know you look at the way Nebraska's been recruiting along the offensive line they're short guys there. I mean they brought in a class of six scholarship guys um, and, and that to me signals that that what they have there is, is not uh, what they need so you know that that's the the, the tough part is that, you know, I, that, that group just has to improve. You have to establish something run-wise or else, you know, you, you're going to have teams like uh, Minnesota look really good against your offensive line. You're going to have teams like Purdue look really good against your offensive line. Purdue, by the way, that held Minnesota to 92 yards rushing when they played uh, here earlier this season. So it, it's, you know, Shaver, you're right about the, the types of things that are 
or limiting them in terms of being able to put together drives, stuff that's just kind of a head scratcher. Um, and, and it's, you know, I think on one hand, th this bye week probably comes at a bad time. Uh, at the same time, I mean, I, I think this is a team that really kind of needs to get back to the drawing board in whatever fashion they can over the next two weeks. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, what sort of changes do you anticipate you might see coming out of the bye week? Well, I, I think you got to you got to get guys healthy a little bit. I think guys are beat up. I, I think that's a big one. Um, you know, frankly, they, they got to figure out something a wide receiver. Um, you know, we we've talked about it on this podcast and, and the all, all the other ones we do about how nobody's getting open, um, the, the lack of playmakers uh, at, at that spot. Uh, is striking. Um, you know, you, you saw Cade Warner play for the first time in forever, and he looked like probably Nebraska's second-best wide receiver after J.D. Spielman. So, you know, I, I think kind of figuring that out, I, I mean, you, you might have to push some buttons in terms of maybe playing some young guys at, at this point. I mean, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a quick fix, but I, I think you're going to have to start doing stuff like that to maybe give yourself a little bit of a spark. Yeah. I kind of wonder if we – maybe headed towards seeing some more Darian Chase or Demarion Houston or I don't know how how they would break it up in terms of trying to get guys some games but not going over. Right. Because uh, I, I think at this point there's just certain people they'd prefer to just redshirt. But the thing is, like, I mean, if, if you're bringing Darian Chase on a road game, to me it signals that he's good enough to help you. Go play him. Right. Go use him. Right. Uh, and he was out there. I mean, he had – a terrific block, and I know that doesn't mean a ton because it, one, the play didn't end up holding up, but they've been not just bad at getting open, they've been bad at holding the edge of the field. Like, part of why their uh, screen game doesn't work particularly well, the guy tasked with blocking the defender on the edge, probably about 40% of the time they have it blocked. And so, um, I don't know, I... I keep thinking, like, what they can do different. And aside from just a wholesale investment into a conservative power offense, which I don't think they're going to I, do. Could they even do that at well, this point? I think they could. I think it would dramatically limit what would allow them to be successful in some games. Like, it's a – it's you'd win some, lose some trade off there for sure, but – they're just a very flawed team, and they have to figure out how they're going to win two more games to to have the right to play a 13th game, um, let alone what they have to do to stay in games against Wisconsin and Iowa. And I don't even think Iowa is that particularly impressive, but Iowa's defense is going to just destroy Nebraska's offense if these versions of these teams continue on the path that they're on. I, I don't know. I mean – it's a weird situation where Nebraska seems like they're worse off in year two at four and three than, you know, one and six through their first seven games last year. I, th I think the biggest thing, and it, it, people don't like hearing it or saying it, wrote about it, Bill Moose was right that when everybody scoffed at it when he said six wins. And even Scott Frost said that day in Chicago, yeah, I think we'd be disappointed with six. But right now, it's about modest goals for this team. I mean, we can sure as heck throw out Indianapolis talk. That that would already seem like it was a little uh, way, way above 
what we should be chatting about. Now we know for sure. Um, this team needs December, though. Like, December can't be meaningless around here. They have to be practicing for a game and developing young players. And I think during the bye week, they have to come up with a plan, like you mentioned, to Marion Houston and some of these guys. I think you got to lay it out, like, who can we get on the field? What games? Let's get these guys. Let's map out how to get some of these guys on the field. You can't just concede doing that. you got to be careful. Like, guys have to be ready to do it. But there's got to be a few of them that are close, and I think you got to do that. I guess one positive note to try to glean something positive from the whole thing. I was thinking about this. A year ago, P.J. Fleck was in year two. And he came to Lincoln, and he got his hat handed to him by Nebraska. Similar, I mean, it was a 53-28 runaway game, and uh, Minnesota got housed pretty good. And uh, it was not a straight line to the good season they're having this year. I still don't think they're a great team, but they're having a good season. They're 6-0. and uh, They got beat by Illinois two weeks later by 24 points after they lost to Nebraska. But what they were doing in October and November is – that one, they made that big move with their defensive coordinator. Obviously, that's not going to happen here. Sounds like it's not such good news for Eric Shenandoah. No, that, I'm not even going there. But but I think if you watch Minnesota when they like played Wisconsin last year when they beat them, they, they were a team where you could tell they had found some staples of who they wanted to be in the last month that they didn't necessarily know when they played in Nebraska. And they've built on that into this year. And I'm not saying Nebraska wants to be Minnesota. But that's an example of somebody who was in a bad spot about this time last year that Nebraska's in, and they found something to to make them excited about the next season to finish. So it's still possible, but right now, when you're just getting your butt kicked in the trenches, that that that's what makes this thing seem like such an overwhelming task. You, you kind of wonder, too. I mean, you, you think back to around this time last year, Nebraska loses to Northwestern, um, and, and you had a lot of – senior leadership guys stepping up guys getting really involved and kind of getting people going in the right direction and I'm curious to see how that kind of emerges this year just because I, I don't know that you have as strong a vocal leadership um, this year as you did last year with guys like Stanley Morgan with Luke Gifford uh, with those types of guys and I, I think as much as you as much as it's pushing buttons from the standpoint of the coaching staff and, and making those decisions. I, I think it's on the players too to kind of say, look, you know, we're basically halfway through this deal. I mean, they still have, they've got coin flip games, you know, coming in to, to the, to the last game there. But I mean, you, you play well against Purdue and Indiana, you're back on track a little bit there, but you know, some of the, the guys, you know, today just seem very uh, not dialed in. And I was a little bit surprised by that, given uh, how a lot of the talk all week had been about the one-game season and, you know, really kind of going into the bye week on a high note. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned those two guys, Luke Gifford and Stanley Morgan. The thing is they'd back it up with play. I mean, you could count on those two guys to be two of their best players on the field at any time, whether they were on offense or on defense. If you had to pick Nebraska's best player on defense right now, is it Lamar Jackson? And if it is, like, is it because his stock has risen as a 
NFL prospect or because he's actually out there making plays? Because he didn't really do anything tonight. And it's hard when a team throws 13 times. But it's usually not a great sign when your best player or one of your best players is one of the furthest removed from the ball every single time out. And so um, it's a it's a weird team. It is a very weird team to figure it out. I mean, they they have these guys we've heard about but we haven't seen. They've got guys like Wandale that it took a few weeks before he kind of, um, you know, really sort of took over this offense. I mean, if, if Wandale hadn't emerged the way that he had, Nebraska's, what, at best, you know, probably three and four, and that's maybe pushing it. They probably lose that Illinois game. They lose to Northwestern. I mean, they might only have two wins, so. They need guys to step up. They need Adrian Martinez to be better when he comes back. They need Darian Daniels to be better on the field than he was on Saturday. They need Matt Farniak to be better. I mean, if those guys are your leaders. Mo Berry. I mean, every one of their captains has been disappointing, if you think about it. Uh, and part of that is seemingly everybody on that team has been disappointing. It is just a weird, weird season. Which fits. That's par for the course with Nebraska football these days. So bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Noah Ventral played all right. Yeah. I thought, given everything. He this did. I, I'll say this. Seven points. It also, uh, Adrian hasn't been great. Uh, but watching it tonight, I did think Noah played okay. But I also, the thought that kept coming to me is, like, these QBs have it kind of tough right now. <laughs> like, there's just not a lot working around them. Yeah. And I think some of the stuff that where it's all like, oh, it's all on Adrian, this and that, he's definitely played some bad games, had some bad moments. But uh, tonight was confirmation to me that there's so many things around the QB that are just not good right now that – those guys are kind of the easy fall guy, you know what I mean? Um, like, you could have put it, it – whoever the quarterback was tonight, it was going to be kind of tough when you can't block a three- or four-man front. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough sledding. That's <laughs> all we got, probably, right? Yeah, we gave you 20 minutes. All right, well, uh, we'll probably be <laughs> back with another podcast sometime this week. People We're should not go, sure. People should, like, go watch The Joker now or something. That just for, a little fit, for a little pick-me-up. <laughs> I would probably be in better spirits. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably not. It's about a tie, I think. <laughs> um, all right, we'll have another podcast at some point this week. We don't know what our schedule is exactly yet, um, but we will come back with that. And as always, you can check out all of our coverage on Nebraska football and recruiting. They got a commitment the other day. We're not going to talk about it now because we're all tired. But uh, we'll get to it on the podcast coming up later this week. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.